0: If we want to see transformation happen, we've all got to get on the same page and be like, all right, what's not working? What is working? Where is the need? How can we help? Well not that what can I get out of it, but it's more of a mentality of what can I put into this. You're listening to Startup Circle with Steve 14, the podcast that gives you insight into the
1: minds of South Africa's most innovative entrepreneurs and businesses. Today, we're delving into two key specifics on leadership, both leading those around you in terms of communicating well and leading yourself in terms of keeping motivated. As somebody who's founded a business or or built a vision out of nothing, you'll know the feeling that if you don't do it, it's just never going to get done. But how do we stay motivated against all odds? In an era where motivational books have been reduced to motivational quotes, that have been reduced to motivational memes, to what extent have we built up a motivation resistance? As somebody who started two companies of my own, I can totally relate to the vision pulling you forward, giving you the energy to power through those late nights. But inevitably, this dies down, and, and, often, and often it dies down after you've hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, as is common with starting your own business. Joining us in studio today to explore this topic, we have one of the most energetic communicators, charismatic leaders, and motivated individuals that I know, Tyrone Whitaker. Tyron's the youth pastor for Hillsong South Africa. Undoubtedly, many of you have heard of Hillsong South Africa, but unless you've ever attended one of their services, you won't be familiar with the sheer size of their congregation. So without further ado, in a show guaranteed to leave you with lessons on how to keep your energy levels up no matter what, welcome Tyrone. So first things first, Tyrone. Is it, do you say it like the South African way of saying it, like Tyrone or is it the American Tyrone? Where are you from?
0: <laughs> well, my wife's family, who, she's from America, they say Tyrone. Uh, Tyron doesn't really exist in the American vocab. But South African, born and bred Cape Town, Tyron. And yeah, so they call me Cobra for short. That's kind of like my my nickname. Uh, Long story, but... uh, Summarize it for us in a second. Yeah, so cell phones just came out and uh, I got an SMS. First SMS ever received on a cell phone saying, Cobra, how's it going? What's happening, old friend? Had no idea who the guy was. (laughs) Responded saying, going so well. Chat soon. <laughs> so it, all my friends thought it was a joke, and I've kept Cobra all these
1: years. And Cobra stuck. So, so what is your background like? I mean, today you're the the, the youth pastor of Hillsong. Uh, I know from a previous conversation that you were the bassist in in Failing Forward, that's and right. that's a crazy story that's in itself. Right. But but where does tyron come from? You you, yeah. you said from South Africa. What, what did you do right in the beginning?
0: Yeah. So born and bred in Cape Town. You know, went to high school at Stellenberg High School in the northern suburbs. Yeah, raised in the northern suburbs. Love South Africa. being a all my life, and travelled a little bit overseas. Yeah, long story short, but uh, as soon as I graduated, worked with my dad in Cape Town, South Africa, and then uh, yeah, just got passionate and left and started my own thing. Really, and
1: so Hillsong's been around for ten years in South Africa, I think, in, in, in June this year, and, right. and, and 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 that's quite some time. Uh, T- ten years ago, and I'm curious to get into the story of of how Tyrone got involved in into Hillsong right in the beginning. Because I know you, you started out kind of when Hillsong started out on Camps Bay right. Beach for service number one or yeah. something. But have you always been in ministry, or or, or or what prompted you to to get stuck into the the the, the Hillsong movement when they came to South Africa? How did right. you get there?
0: I, I've been part of church all my life, born and raised in a church, Presbyterian Church. Was part of that for 24 years, so. um we grew up going to church on Sundays, go to youth on Fridays and uh, kind of just, you know, stayed in there. But uh, I loved sport, and so I used to play baseball for for Western Province in South Africa when I was younger. Wanted to be, actually become a pro baseball player and then got an injury, a knee injury and then uh, kind of stopped playing in that. Which kind of, pushed me towards going in towards music. So I picked up playing bass, got into that, uh, playing some jazz festivals in Cape Town, uh, one or two little bands with my brothers and not, and then got into Failing Forward. And then uh, went overseas uh, and decided, hey, I wanted to go do Hillsong Conference because uh, growing in church, Hillsong United was a big thing. And I was like, oh, these guys, I love these guys. I want to check them out live. This was the Hillsong
1: no- Conference in Sydney. Yes,
0: right. I knew, knew nothing that there was actually a church. Like I thought Hillsong was just the band. So it just shows you how small mine my whole, narrow minded my whole church kind of perspective was. I like, yeah. didn't know a whole lot of speakers. You know, you know, one or two big speakers, but that was as good as it got. And so I went to the stage with my brother for a bit and then um, went to Hillsong Conference and I thought I wanted to check it out, you know, booked at some kind of hotel in, in Chinatown and George Street in Sydney. Went to this conference and uh, I thought, wow, this is like, you know, it's going to be a Kind of a concert, kind of thing.
1: So, so, so this is Tyrone. He he doesn't yeah. know anybody. You've flown over by yourself. Age. Yeah, twenty-three yeah. years old. You you've never been to Sydney before. Never in now my you've life. you have got a ticket, a ticket to the conference, 100% and you land up in Sydney, yeah. and, and, and then what? so
0: I'm walking around trying to find my seat. Like it's somewhere up in the bleachers of the stadium, and I walk into two crazy, crazy guys who I absolutely love, Phil Dooley, uh, who actually leads Hill South Africa today with his wife Lucinda. They moved over from uh, from Sydney ten years ago. And Sanger Samways. Sanger is part of, uh, he, him and his wife Katie are leading Hillsong, um, I think it's, uh, oh man, now i got to get it right, Hillsong, Newcastle. And so they're doing an amazing job, but just kind of, they were doing a thing called Revelation, part of Hillsong Conference. So bumped into these guys and they're like, hey, how's it going? And it's like, hey, you South African? I'm like, yeah, South African. And they're like, kind of looked at me like strange. And I'm like, who are these guys? Like, I have no idea who they are. And so they invited me to a green room. And this is about 11, 12 years ago invited to this green room. And, and this is
1: the green room of the Hillsong of the Sydney conference. conference. Yeah, this massive conference that gets yeah. hundreds of thousands yeah. of people so there. So
0: I walk into this green room knowing no one. Like you got to know, like my like I have no idea who's in this room. So T.D. Jakes is in this room. Uh, J- Judah Smith's in this room. Uh, Kerry Jobs in this room. John Norman, you know, so he was part of our church for the first five years. He's in the room, Sanger, full G- Give us some context yeah. of each. So Brian Houston, who, who with Bobby Houston, lead Hillsong globally. They are the founding pastors of Hillsong Church, 30-odd, or maybe even close to 40 years now. And uh, so the, everyone's in the room. So I'm eating the free food. I'm thinking, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who these people are. I think they're all on staff. They just work here. This is what they do. So I'm eating all the food. And I'm a very kind of extrovert kind of guy. I can get on with anyone, really. Just making conversation. How's it going, you know? Tell us to Africa and how's the theory? Here's a free food, you take it. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, walking around, making jokes, and then we sit down. So, I'm sitting down and I'm thinking about turning to the guy who's sitting on my right, he's Judah Smithing. Hey, what do you do? So, they kind of picked up, like, I have no idea who everyone is and I shouldn't be in the room. So, I'm like, what do you do? Is that Judah's kind of like, he goes with it because he's just quite a funny guy. He's awesome. He's like, you're just part of the team, bro, you know, whatever, but he's actually, you know, he's he's phenomenal for communicator. And then I'm like, turning to Kerry Job. I'm like, hey, what do you do? And she's like, uh, I, you don't want to say like, oh, I'm Kerry Joe," Or I'm like, I'm so-and-so. She, she's being so polite. She's like, oh, no, I lead worship and whatnot. She's actually a guest leading worship at the conference, I think it was. And then uh, having some jokes with, with Sanger and Phil. And then I I turn to TD Jakes, who's on my left, and I'm like, I go for the wild card. I'm like, I guess you have venue control. <laughs> to the Everyone's laughing and losing. And I am just said, hey, I, I'm sorry. I have no idea why I'm in the room. I have no idea who these people are. Anyway, so they tell me who they all are, you know, and I'm like, they invite me, got an awesome seat with them in the conference. I'm sitting down. I'm like, as TD Jakes takes the stage, they're all laughing at me like, there goes the venue control guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, there he goes. And, and then they say, you know, we're, we're, we're planning on, on, on doing a church in, in South Africa. And I'm like, I, I want to be there. Something kind of resonated in my spirit. I'm like, I need to be part of this. And so the, the, the atmosphere was so welcoming, you know, and it was so inviting. And it felt like these people actually genuinely care. And so I left and, and, and raised a youth pastor because I was a youth pastor at my previous, to the church that I was at.
1: I, I want to move into talking about leadership. And, and as we spoke about earlier on, you, we've defined the generation of youth yeah. that, that come to Hillsong. Let's call them the FOMO generation. Yes. That's based on what you said. So, so to some degree, you're leading the FOMO generation over here. And, and leadership in itself is already exceptionally tricky. There's already there's so many things you've navigate, got to navigate through to be a good leader. Yeah. But then it almost complicates it further when you're leading a bunch of uh, of the FOMO generation. Yeah. You're an exceptionally dynamic leader, an exceptionally good communicator. But but where does this come from? Leadership's a big word. I think
0: you can sit down, and you can be like, well, how let's define leadership, and you can go any angle with it, and, and some will agree, and some will not. I'm not. I think with today, you know, if your actions line up with your words, I, I think that's great leadership. And what I mean by that is like, you know, are you great to follow or are you just good to lead? You can get a platform, whatever your platform is. Maybe it's uh, court. Maybe it's, you know, your office. Maybe it's your staff. You know, it's always a platform. Platform is not a stage and a microphone. We always think that's a platform. But your platform is the people that you're reaching. If, if you can lead those people, you're a leader. That's, that's what it is. My goal, and I think that's, that's what, it, what it is, is to live a life where my children see me on the platform, but they see that same leader at home. That when people see me, when I'm talking about my, my marriage, they, my wife knows exactly when she gets home, that's the person that she's married. That there's actually truth. And that's, I think, that's what we're boiling down to, that there's a, there's a truth essence. There's a realness to it. There's an honesty to it of, of like, wow, this guy on and off the platform in a room of one people or, or speaking to the thousands, it's the same guy. And I can relate to it because that's just who he is. And I think I think that's what's the goal of my leadership is to actually be real, of like you're the real deal. I don't want it to be something where like yeah, this guy did amazing work, but then it's like you know he was having an affair, or, or he was doing this, or he was living a life like was two sided. Like what 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 is that? Do you know what I mean? And it happens even in in church life. You see great leaders, and and and, and not blaming them, but you know they just allowed their guard to be down, caught at the place where they were vulnerable, and got into a situation where it's like, you know, now nah, their marriage is lost because they, they had an affair or they said something they shouldn't have said. And, and you're like, why is that? And I think my goal is every day to be a true leader, to be an honest leader, to whatever platform is at my table that day. If it's a smaller platform, a high school, a young person or an old person, he's like, he's the same dude. He's the same guy. He's consistent in who he is. And I think if we can be those people of like honest and real, you know, if we want to be a government that wants to lead the nation. Let's lead the nation. Let those words line up with our actions. Not being a government that's always in the papers for corruption or taking money or or doing this. And I'm not pointing the finger at, at politicians. There's some great politicians out there. But let our actions line up with our words.
1: There's an old adage that says it, it takes a lifetime to build your brand and only yeah. like 10 seconds to destroy it. Yeah. How do you never, to, to, to what you've just said, how do you never let your guard down?
0: Yeah, I think it's... I mean, I'm not perfect. Like I mean you know, I'm as just as everyone else, I make mistakes. But I think I treat it daily. I think, you know, for me, obviously I I'm a believer and, and I'm a follower of Christ. And so I root my my life in the Word of God. And so yeah, there's things that come on my table where you can be like, Well, yes, a loophole, or yes a moment to be unethical, or yes a moment to, to lie, or yes a moment to, to make a bad decision, but I think the key yeah, is to not be compulsive. The key is not to, there's actually, there's more in the waiting period, I think, than, than you know, like to, the step back, I always call it back. Take a moment when an opportunity presents itself, or whatever is good or bad, take a step back. And I'd be like, will this benefit my family? Will this benefit my life? Will this benefit, not just I'm going to gain something here for this moment, because a lot of people think that it's like, what can I get out of it? So it's like, if like, okay, here's a hundred thousand under the table, but listen, you know, it's not, you know, you're not going to pay tax on this or, you know, like, no, like, I don't want it. It's not going to bless my life. It's not going to benefit my life. So I'd rather step away from it. And that takes maturity and that takes a level of confidence. And that takes a level that you're, you've got to be rooted in something that's driving you. I, I want
1: to move into the business of church. And I think that Heelsong is, is perhaps an organization that has commercialized the idea of being a full-time pastor. And, and in many of the, the other churches around South Africa, pastors are almost part-time other jobs and full-time pastors, i.e. they, they work a nine-to-five and then they do the pastoral stuff after hours. Hillsong South Africa has got a, a massive team of staff, and these are both volunteers and, and, and paid people or paid staff. What do you say to the people out there that are saying, well, actually... This is an organization where Tyron should have another job. And if he's really passionate about doing the stuff in ch- with changing young people's lives and being a pastor for youth, he should do this after hours at his own time and he shouldn't be drawing a salary out of. But,
0: you know, you, you're never going to work for church for money. That, that's the truth of it. Like I, I, like early on when we were, we were chatting, Like, I, I worked a corporate job and I volunteered for church for many, many years. Like for, I think as I got out of high school, went to university, got my degree in business, and I, and I worked, I got, uh, you know, my credits and finances and I worked in the car industry for many years and, and I didn't want to work. I felt guilty actually going to Hillsong Church to take a salary, which was going to be not even a quarter, an eighth of what I was earning. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to, I like enjoy rather having a good salary and whatnot. But then I I ended up leaving that job and volunteering for a year and six months where there was no job, because I think a lot of people think like, oh, let's go work for Hillsong. But there is actually not, you're not going to work for Hillsong for money. It's like, that's what I just said. Um, And I volunteered because I felt like this is what I needed to do. I felt like God said, this is what I want you to be part of. And so I did that. didn't question where the money was going to come from. I saved up enough money to, we pulled it off. We had a baby on the way. We just got married. And so it was like we were living off my wife's small little salary. And we made it work because I knew what we were part of. And so going back to that, I'm like, a lot of people think like, yeah, go get a go corporate job and volunteer for church. I get that, you know, but again, you know, you need people in the business world. You need people in the, you know, in the politicians, you need firemen, you need policemen, you need, and you need, you know, pastoral or pastors or you need, you know, ministers or whatever you want to call it. But I think, you know, when you look at Hillsong, it's driven by the faithfulness of volunteers. That's the heartbeat behind it.
1: If you go to Sydney and you go to a conference there, there's four or five thousand volunteers. It's not, I, I want to move into talking about the intersection point between business and church, right? Business and faith, and business and religion. I think that's, that's the element that I, that, that I want to hone in on next. You, you said in, in, in your last answer that, that God spoke to you. There's a lot of guys out there, either right. with faith or without, yeah. either they know God or they, or, or, or they don't, they've never heard. Yeah. The voice of Jesus. What, what does that sound like, and and how do you actually know that when in, you're in your 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 business life and you're making a decision or, or whatever the case is, that this is like the Lord's intervention on right. you saying on him saying to you, go in this yeah. direction or don't. Is, is it a voice that you hear in your great head?
0: Question. That's a great question. Um, so a lot of people think, well, to hear the voice of God, I need to go and work for a church. Like that's so not. The the church is an organization in itself. If we want to first take the the Christianity side away from it, Hillsong Church is an organization. It's it's got a brand. It's got a strong brand, and um, what we're doing is we're we're helping as a church to 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 help build a nation. So we're outward focused. We you know we're doing certain things that businesses are doing. When it comes to the voice of God, you know, in the Bible it talks about you know faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and I think where we get it wrong is we we think okay as a Christian. Um, uh, I've got to hear the audible voice of God. Like, yes, God can speak to you with an audible voice. God can speak through his Holy Spirit. God can speak through someone else who's given you a word. It's like God can speak through many dynamics. And so a lot of young people will come to me like, "They're like, oh, how do you hear Jesus? I'm like, and I always respond back to the first question. is like, when last have you read your Bible? Because then John, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so this whole concept of like, if you want to hear the voice of God, well, do you have a revelation of who Jesus is? Do you actually have a relationship with who God is? Like I can't speak to you every day if I don't know your, have your number or if I don't have a relation with you. It's the exact same concept with when it comes to God. Like if you're not in the word of God, I have to make time every single day of my life. Every day I choose, I'm going to be in the word of God. And you say, well, that's easy because you're in a church. Not at all. Like I've got a normal life, like everyone else. I've got a family. I've got kids. I've, I'm in their world. I'm dropping them at school. I'm changing diapers. I'm, I, I'm with my wife I'm trying to have date nights. I'm trying to, you know, you know, have fun, sports and workouts, like like everyone else. But I'm uh, in mean ministry. But you know, you can do so much for God that you can have no relationship with God. Like every single one of us have to have that relationship, you know, where it's like your soul is tuned into a frequency. Where it's where it's driven by the Word of God. And I think when you're at that place where it's like you put distractions aside, you put noise aside, you find a place where you're in the word of God, God begins to speak to you. Now, maybe it's right off the cuff of a scripture. You read a scripture and it's like, this applies to me. Like, I feel like God is speaking to me through this scripture. Or or, or as I was sharing with you when we had breakfast is that I've only once heard the audible voice of God. And I, and that, I was so shocked by it that I literally turned pale. Like it's it's a crazy story of of how that happened, but I was on a second coffee. It wasn't even date. I would call it that with another person, who's my wife, Rachel, and I was sitting there. And as Rachel went to the bathroom, it's a second coffee. Like it was, it was a coffee on the Monday. This was another Wednesday. And we had dinner, so it was dinner we were having. And we were sitting there, and as she went to the bathroom, I said to God, I said, um, "Tell me if this is my wife, because I don't want to mess this girl around." And right then, God said to me, "This is your wife that I've saved for thee." And, and came into me, like someone said it. It's like the 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 room drowned out. And this voice said, This is your wife that I've saved for you. S-
1: spoken words. Spoken into my to the ear. point where you're looking behind so yourself looking to see if somebody's right, and there. I just
0: go pale. So she comes back and and she's like, Are you sick? Like, and I look straight at her and I said to her, I love you. Like this is just, this is the worst dating advice ever. Okay. You don't say to a girl, I love you on your second coffee. You know what I mean? Get to know the girl, date the girl for a few months then go to the love word, and she's like, "No, you don't." And I said, "No, I do." And two, three weeks later we got engaged, a few months later, we got married, and we've been married six months, uh, six months six, six years. <laughs> we've got three beautiful little children um, and and I have a phenomenal marriage. When it comes to God's voice, there's always a peace attached to it. As soon as there's anxiety, it's, it's not God's, because the enemy will always come to kill, steal and destroy. So if you're anxious in your spirit, the word of God says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It says in Philippians 4, 6, and says, let your request know to God. And so with that scripture, you, if whatever decision you're making, you've got to let that request say, God, I, I'm coming to sell my business. You know? You're know, you going to know there's a peace attached to it. You're like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen, but God's in the midst of it. That's God speaking. I had my eardrum blown out, okay, and and it was, it's not fun for anyone to have an eardrum. So it was on a water accident. I had the pressure, the whole eardrum fully out. So I go see this ear specialist here at uh, Millington Hospital and sitting there and he's like, oh my man, this is not good. Uh, you've got no eardrum. So he has looking look the scopes and all that kind of stuff. So he's explaining the surgery that I'm going to have. He's going to flip my ear to side, cut it down, take a piece of the muscle behind your ear to build an eardrum and hoping that it will take the skin all, So I'm like, okay, so I'm preparing myself for this, and and um and it was my bad year from from actually years of music standing in amps, you know, live venues and things like that. Uh, slightly had a not case of deafness, but a little bit. And so I I left there and I thought to myself, you know, I'm a man of faith and and I know what it is and I have a revelation of who God is. And I said to God, I said, God, I want you to heal my ear supernaturally. I want you to touch my ear that I don't have this. I was specific with my prayer. And I'm like, I don't want to. So so I ended up fasting and ended up praying and, and laying hands on this. And as the word of God says and and I did that. And the one day, the Thursday was the operation. The the Wednesday, I said to my wife Rachel, I said, Lay your hands on my ear. I said, God's in the supernatural, you might heal my ear. So she laid her hands on my ear and I laid my hands on and said, and the word of God says two more gather here, there. And so I prayed like God, you I command you to heal my ear. And you know, like I said, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, and all of a sudden there was a popping sign in my ear. And I got a fright and I was like, it kind of like hurt. And I was like, oh, that was sore. And I don't know what that was. And so anyway, I went the Thursday with faith and, and expectation. I went into this guy's office. He's like, are you ready? We're going to go do this. We're going to put you out. It's like a three hour, four hour operation. And I said, I don't want you to look in my ear one more time. So he put me in the chair. And, he, and as he put his ear instrument in my, in, my, in my ear, his words was this. He's like, um, did you have an operation? And I said, no. And he's like, you have an eardrum. You have a full eardrum in your ear. And I said to him, and, 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 and so I had a supernatural healing of my ear, like a fully formed, and, and the beauty of that was my deafness, I can hear 100% on both ears now. And so I told Rachel, I've shared this story with him, because before that I said to him, before I went to the chair, I said, well, he's like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor. And he's like, Oh, that's good, you know, you're doing some good work. Everyone always thinks the pastor yeah. doing some good work, you know? I'm like, Well, you know, it's got I guess it's got this thing attached to it where people think, well, whatever, you know. And so I said, um, yeah, and he's like, Well, we do this operation. And I said to my faith to believe that God's so then he said to me, he stopped me in my tracks as I was saying this to him. He's like, No, I I don't think you understand. I'm sorry, I don't think you understand. So let me explain to you what I'm gonna do. And so when when I got into the chair and he looked at me, and he's like, Did you have this 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 healing? Like, was this like did you have a surgery done? And I'm like, I said, no, God healed me. And he looked at me all shocked. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't think you understand. So let me explain this to you. So I explained this to him. And so I preached the story about it. And uh, so I have a revelation of of that, you know, that God is a healer. He's Jehovah Rapha, which means it's one of his names is that I'm a healer. And so, um, you know, I always love going to the intensive care unit where there's old people, you know, like on their last breath, literally. And I sit there, and, and they're awake, and they're talking. I'm like, why are you here? i like, oh, well, I've got a day or two left or whatever. And then it's sad, and you think, well, what did you do? And, was, and I always ask them, what's what the one thing? If you can go back, what would you do? And like, I would have worked that hard. I wouldn't have been so driven for money. I wouldn't have. And I'm like, isn't that funny? Like, you like, you work so hard. Like this is, this is it. This is it for us. And like, I wish I could spend more time with my family or with my kids. I wish I was present more for my wife. I wish I was around. And, you know, and then I get an opportunity to pray for them. Well, like, well this life's going to end, but there's something more that you're going to step into. See, the truth, truth is every single one of us are going to die. And that could be hopefully a long life they will
1: live here, or it's going to be a short for some. I'm never going to work out how God speaks. You're a man who's 100% in, in ministry. Yeah. I'm sure you've got some, some crazy stories as to how you've been spoken to or things that you've experienced, the actual physical power yeah. of God. 100%. Let's go into some of the ones on top of your list.
0: December was one I shared it. December 22nd. I was in a funeral and God said to me, "In the Spirit of God just said to me, go home, be strong. And this is something
1: you're hearing in your Yeah, I was, like,
0: yeah, in I was sitting in a funeral and a, a guy who's on staff with me, he, he leads our Century City Youth Wildlife our senior location. He's saying to me, like I'm looking at him, I was like, man, i got to go home. And he's like, you never go home on Friday because Friday is kind of youth. It's a build up. It's a whole lot happening. So I never leave the office during the day of a Friday, and so I rushed home. Okay, but at the same time, the Spirit of God said, because my wife's obviously got her own relationship with Jesus, and you know, because you can't live off someone else's revelation or, or relationship. And God said to her, "I am with you." Those three words, "I am with you." And so as I walked into the door, opened the door, my wife got a fright because she felt be like why, like the door unlocked. Yeah, I'm walking in. Next to our TV is a iPod station or charging station, and her phone is on there, and the phone rings, and I said to my wife, "I said, that's not going to be good news." And so the phone, she picked the phone up, and and there was a doctor, and the doctor said to my wife that she was diagnosed with cancer. So, as this was happening, I I, I took the phone out of my wife's hand, and I said to the doctor, "Firstly, I don't accept that report. I said because I know who my God is, and I said I know that He supernaturally healed me. So again, there's that real revelation, it's that realness to it, and I'm like, and I know that God can heal my wife." And I said, so I'm not going to be struck by fear because my 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 life is driven by faith. It's not driven by what the world says. You go by that, you you start googling cancer. You you go down a horrible dark path, thinking, oh, cancer, if someone's going to die. It's radiation. It's chemo. It's horrible. Oh, I'm going to be a parent, live, you know, bringing up three kids by myself. Like you go down there if you live in the world and you allow the world to define your belief or your or your faith. And so we we put the phone down and and I said to her, you know, God is good because He's good. He's good all the time. And it's not to find if your situation is good or not. God is good. And she said all the time. And I said to her, it's, it's going to be okay. And then so she laid down and I said to her, Rachel, I said, don't lie down. I said, David, when he ran to Goliath, it says in that verse, he ran to Goliath. I said, we have to run to this now. I said, and we're going to defeat this. And I said, God has gone ahead of us. And so cut a story short, we went on this journey of like where we went in January to have an operation. She had half a thyroid. She had a six by six tumor growth on her thyroid and it was removed. And then when it was removed, the doctor said to me, it's going to go to a lab and we'll know exactly what we're against and how we're going to treat this. And I'm like, and I said, well, God has healed her. I said, so you can call me what you like. God is good. My wife was incredibly brave through this whole thing. Like she was literally a pillar. Like I watched her like, because you hear news like that, you feel like you can feel all sorts of things. It's like cancer spreading, I'm going to die. And she just owned it. Like she was just such a peace. And I think that's what the spirit of God does. It gives you such peace. And so it went into the lab. Five days later, we've got the call back saying it wasn't cancer. Praise God for that. And and it was just a fast-growing growth that happened uh, because she had Hashimoto, which is thyroid disease, but it's treatable. But this, this growth, this nodule just grew so excessively. And so this diagnosis was, no, it was follicular cancer, but it wasn't. And so she didn't need any surgery. She's on obviously medication to get her levels sorted out. But I was thinking about that and, you know, and God's healing comes, and sometimes the healing is not what we wanted to be. It sometimes even death. That's still healing, in God's eyes. But we think God the healing didn't come. My mom died of cancer. It's like if you're living in the world, your mom died of cancer. But if you're living in faith, no, she went to go be with Jesus because every single one of us are going to go. And so it's a different perspective. It's a different belief. It's a different walk. And so that was just one of the crazy things of like we walked through that journey. And I've been on that side of the fence. So when people have got a diagnosis or a bad report, of like there's peace there because. I have faith in God. I know God can do it. And I've seen radical stuff of how people have been healed and they're grown back and things like that. I've seen it in my own eyes in my own youth ministry. And so that was really one of the things that, that God really stirred my faith saying that he's in the midst of it all. But I've, I've been like the small things, like I've been in the airport and uh, we're going to the United States and I'm like, and my wife and I are like, let's get spoiled. Like I want to spoil the kids. You know, we've just pulled off an awesome conference. Let's believe for 2000 US dollars. And then and, and all of a sudden, you know, we're walking through the airport, and someone randomly comes up with an envelope with two thousand US in it. And like, hey, yeah, God told me to give this to you. I'm like, I don't know this person. This person was nowhere near me when I prayed this prayer, and just handing me an envelope and it's two thousand precisely. And then we go shopping. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is amazing. Or, you know, we we purchased the uh, apartment last year, and I, you know, like I said, you you work for children, work for money, and so we're like financially, we're like we're really just stewarding our money while well, trying to get ahead and and making sure that you know we're we're being wise with our money and. And so I said to Rachel, I said, you know, God has called us to be the head and not the tail. And every single one of us to be the head and not the tail. I said, let's buy an apartment. And I said, let's own a property. And, and we would love to do that. And she's like, oh, okay, we're in a season where it's like we don't have enough to put towards a deposit. So anyway, I found this, this place in Valkenwood, uh, an apartment. And I said to God, I said, I want this apartment. I want you to give us this apartment. And it was like 900000 And And so I went in and said, I want to put an offer. And, and so the lady's like, how much? And I said, 600000 She said, she laughed at me. She's like, you're nuts. Like, this is not going to happen. I'm giving this away for 899 So I'm like, cool, there's my number. Phone me that's fine. And like weeks went by and I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I get this phone call I don't know about. And and this woman's like stuttering. She's like, I need to give you this apartment for $600,000. And i am like, of course you do. You know, because God told you to. And then I'm like, okay, that's happening. So I'm going to need to get 100% bond. And I phoned the bank manager. I'm like, hey, I need 600000 in loan to get this apartment. He's like, no one really gets 100% bond. You've got to put some commitment to it. You know, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I know God, God's able. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And I said, call me and he's like, Well, you're crazy. I'm like, it's what a year often, you know, you're crazy. And next day, phone specs is like, okay, hey, you got 100 percent bond. I'm like, amazing. And then, you know, the lawyers come back, they needed X amount for lawyers' fees. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of money for lawyers' fees. I'm like, well, God's gonna pay it. And so we're sitting, we're praying about it. And then the next day I get an email from the lawyers, which was amount money was supposed to do. just an email saying, Thank you for your deposit. I'm like, I didn't pay you anything. Today I still don't know who paid it. And so the full amount paid, and, and, and so we got this, uh, this apartment, and someone offered to do renovations. And, and anyway, it's, it's been story like that, story after story, um, you know, um, where even I had a dream. God spoke to me in a dream even. Like that's another great one. I, when we were getting married, we were going to get married the year of two, 2012 on the 21st of December. Okay, this is a radical one. 21st of December, we were going to get married, and this was now in June. God spoke to me in a, in a dream and said to me, move your wedding. We're getting married in South Africa. We're going to bust all our youth ministry, young people in. It was going to be a big wedding. And so the next morning I woke up, and I I went to go and pick up Rachel. She had the exact same dream that she said, move the wedding forward. So I'm like, okay, what does this mean? So we moved it till July. So we actually kind of eloped. So we went to the United States. Uh, We planned a wedding in five days, got married in the States. I didn't even have someone to marry us. I thought, am I going to do my own wedding while I stand there? You know, one of those, <laughs> ones, you know, but then full, uh, I'll lead past the, yeah, full phones to me on the day of my wedding saying, Hey, are you in Cincinnati? I'm like, yeah, I'm in Cincinnati. He's like, bro, I'm actually in Cincinnati. Oh, I can do that your is. wedding. I'm like, this is amazing. So he does our wedding on the on, uh, beginning of August, like right. This is the end of July, beginning of August. And so he does our wedding for us. And, uh, kind of social, sure we go on this honeymoon and we come back and we are expecting our first kid as you do. And it's amazing. But the 21st of December, the day that we were supposed to get married, my mother-in-law phones me and says that my brother-in-law, Caleb, who was 21 at the time, has got a massive tumor on his chest. He's got uh, cancer of the blood called uh, lymphoma. And I was like, like God knew because no one would have been able to make that wedding if, if we had it on the twin. This was on the day of our wedding. I said, Rachel, this is the day we were going to get married. And so God was in the midst of that, orchestrating that whole thing. And Caleb today is healthy and whole. He kicked that thing, you know, and he, he, they did chemo and radiation, all that kind of stuff. And he's cancer free for now being six years. Wow, He's been cancer free. He's a total bull. But I look back at the faithfulness of God, of like how he prepared and just navigated. You know, Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans you have for me, says the Lord, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plan our future and our hope. I always think about that. We like, you know, we try so much to plan our futures. And we do that. And as human beings, we're inclined to make sure we have a brighter future. But I don't know what the future is going to hold. But it's like, I know the one who holds the future. And that's Jesus for me.
1: What do you say to the people and the school of thought that says you're an exceptionally lucky guy?
0: Yeah, I don't believe in luck. I just believe that God paves the way. I think, you know, yeah, you can be at the right place at the right time and we we can talk about that. Or I was at the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? I just think, like, I think luck is. I think if you know, it says you know. The, uh, 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 I'm trying to think where it says, but it says you know, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything shall be added unto. I think every single one of us got dreams and desires on our hearts. Like you want to be professional, you want to. But I think we're good at seeking the kingdom of God. We're good at coming to church and seeking God and whatnot. But we're not good at seeking His righteousness. We we leave that number two so often, and I think that's the key to 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 what we are God wants to bless us. There is blessing. There is. Here's the door that's going to open up, a massive door that doesn't stop anyone from walking into this studio and saying, hey, I, I want to bless you, donate 5 million, you know, whatever. It's just like, we need to get this concept of like, is my life laying, lying up with what I believe? And that's kind of going back to right to the beginning of what we were talking about of being a leader of like, does my life line up? Like, okay, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God 100%, but I'm also going to seek his righteousness, which means the right way of living. Mm. And then I would see blessing. And I see it. I see it day in, day out. You know, people... Gift us, or out of the blues, I get a word, or out of, you know, and I always think, and I don't question it anymore. I really don't question it anymore. Someone just comes to me and says, Hey, I want to send you on a vacation, or I want to pay for your flight tickets, mm. or, 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 and they have no idea who I am. Or I'm in the, in, I'm in the Woolworths, and I'm like, I'm buying like a thousand worth of groceries, and I get to the till, and it's like, manager comes out and says, Hey, actually, it's on us today. I don't question certain things mm. anymore because it's like, all I'm going to do is I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the, the best that I can live, the right way of living. And God's going to add it to me. And he does. Mm. And so I think for every single one of us, there's that give or take of like, so I think when God adds certain things, we think it's luck. You know, I was lucky, you know, on the lotto, lucky. I'm like, yeah, luck. I'm like, I don't really believe in luck, but I, I believe in blessing and I believe in favor. And I want to talk about two more things. Today. Yes.
1: And and I think we've spoken at length about instances where where people have said to you, you're crazy. Yeah. To get that often, to 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 you, as you said, you get that often. I want to talk about the instance where God says something to you, He asks you to do something, and you say to Him,
0: right. "You're crazy. Yeah,
1: I'm never gonna do that."
0: Yeah, I've done that so many times with God. Like uh, I, I gave, uh, I, the, I had to pick up a tab once for someone at a restaurant. And I was sitting there. and God said, "Pick the tab up." And I'm like, "Not a chance." I'm like, "I'm not going to pick this tab." But, up. but
1: but how do you know? I mean, this. this I, I is... just it
0: there was a it was a piece. It was a prompting. It was a spirit that it felt like it was from God. I can't explain it to you. It, it, it's just when you when you like I say, if you're going back to when you've walked a journey with God, when you when you're in the Word of God, you know it. You, you know the prompting. You, you it's always for good. It's always to to uphold. It's always to uplift. It's always to it's the spirit of God is that. And I'm like. And I'm like, I could see like, okay, so I went to get paid, and I, and I and I left a note of whatever, like God loves you or something. So you
1: walk up to the yeah. the the uh, the waiter. You yeah. don't go to the. No, person. I didn't go to
0: this person because it's like the the God, says, don't blow your own. The Bible says, don't go blow your own trumpet and go to the person. But, hey, I'm going to pay your bill today. I'm a big shot. Like that's not that's not God. Yeah. And so I I I, I paid the bill and um and and to the waiter, how I'm paying this person. He's like, well, it's a large town. I was like, let's pay it, let's go. So I paid and walked out straight. I went left. But I go to this restaurant often. It's a coffee shop. And so I, I came back like two, three days later. And um, and the waiter says, I'm I got to take the response of this person. And I'm like, yeah, well, what is the response? She's like, this person like literally broke down. Like they were on their last. And they they prayed a prayer. God, if you're real, like one of those ones, God, if you're real, pay this bill. You know, and it was paid. And I've been in situations like that. And I'm like, then I get emotional. about I'm like, just because of being faithful to that prompting and it did it. Uh, there's been times where I'm like, you know, I, I haven't got it right. Where it's like, I felt like, and I didn't do it. You know, and you're like, no, damn, I should have turned around. You know, I mm, should have gone back mm, and that person's mm. not there. But I knew it was from God. And, and I think that's, if we're all like, and if we're not distracted by the world and distracted by social media, distracted by all these things and actually in tune, it's like, it's a frequency. It's like a faith. It's like on the same level, then you would hear it more and you're prompted more. Mm-hmm. And God, because God uses people to build. And so that's what he says. He used nobody to build an ark. Mm-hmm. He, the, the miracle of the rain was coming, but it was like, he, he wasn't, God can form an ark if he wanted to, but he let Noah mm. be the crazy guy and everyone, his own family was like, you're nuts, Noah? Like, why are you building an ark? And he did it. And it was standing on dry land in the desert and, and all of a sudden, here comes a flood and boom, you know? And so I think, God, you, we've just got to get so out of our, what can we gain out of this, this temporary, you know, world of money and, and social media and followers and be like, okay, what is God saying? What does God want me to do? Mm. And actually begin to see Jesus in and through people. It's what we need. God, mm. left, as he ascended to heaven, he left his Holy Spirit that lives in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. And if, and if you're a believer and you know that, then why don't you share that? Mm. Buy if it's a good deed. It doesn't have to be a bill. It can be a, a word of encouragement. I've given a word of encouragement to someone when they were on their last straw. Like I'm talking about in the parking lot going to take their life. And you walk by and you are like knock on the window and be like, hey, God loves you. And it's going to be okay. And then this person literally holding a gun in their hand and it's like, you have no idea. I was on my end. True. Sure. I'm like, and I'm like, it's just, but you've got to be in tune with it. And so I allow those moments to happen. You know, it's like tuning into into that and be like, what is what is God saying? Mm. What what is God wanting?
1: It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you, my man. All the best. We'll leave it right there. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, some excellent motivational words and stories spoken by by Tyrone, an exceptionally great communicator and exceptionally charismatic leader. And I'm definitely feeling motivated after that discussion. Thanks for joining us. Keep listening. Um, our early listens continue to, to grow. Uh, just last week, we were trending on NKFM on um, after the Weave podcast. So I'd encourage you to take a listen to, to, to all of our content and we'll speak to you soon.